And happy Monday, world, and welcome to the greatest podcast in the history of the known universe. Only four episodes in, so I, I don't know how we're going to get much better than that. But welcome to Falcon Cast. I got a couple of great guests for you today, and a lot of fun stories as always, uh, in, including one about dating age, which I, I really want to get into. Uh, but I'm saving that for the end of the show for my weird stories. But uh, a lot of ways that you can participate. You can watch on Twitch. Uh, it's twitch.tv backslash the Falcon cast. Make sure you put the Falcon cast and everything. Uh, we'll now be on YouTube as well. Same thing. You can uh, also pick it up later on Spotify and Apple, of course. And uh, uh, if you uh, want to send me an email about anything, it's the Falcon cast at yahoo.com. Uh, if you're looking to advertise, we got room for maybe one more big advertiser and a few small ones. And if we do that, we'll move the show to Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. So it won't just be Monday, Thursday anymore. Uh, so uh, talking to you, Beaumont, a lot of people over there like the uh, show, get over here, you're going to advertise so I can get my butt back over there. And uh, and if you just want to support the show, a lot of people have asked how to do it. I haven't figured out all the Twitch stuff yet, but I will. And uh, the But you can just PayPal at the, uh, the Falconcast at PayPal.com. My first guest, very excited to have on, uh, Good friend. We did a show for a little over a year together on the network, and uh, uh, Greg Frank jo joins me now. And I've missed getting my uh, updates on Philadelphia sports from you, so we'll have to get to that. But uh, tell me what time slot you're in now, because I, I can't pick up the uh, I can't pick it up here. So uh, let the people know how they can get you. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm two to four Eastern, one to three Central, uh, and kicking it by myself. But I always find things to talk about. So. Good to be with you again, Fred. Yeah, man, we had we had a lot of fun doing that show. Yeah, and, and Greg and I still uh, hang out and play poker together every now and then. So, uh, uh, yeah, and yeah, my only regret with that is is that we weren't on here in Houston because it would have made. Uh, I mean, because there was a big audience here, and yeah, you, know, you had to search for it. And, um, and if we'd been able to do that, then you know who knows. But I mean, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed your sports takes. But by the end, we had it where we were fitting the parameters they wanted but we were making it fun. Yeah. And I, and I think I, I'm told that to you. I think that's what's missing from a lot of shows. Guys aren't having fun. You know, they're, there's re, you know, re spout, they're spouting hot takes. Uh, they're responding to other people's stuff and they don't seem to enjoy it. You know, it, it's just, mm. yeah, this, this is the job now and yeah, uh, it shouldn't be a job. And that's one thing that I, I hope that we were able to do is it wasn't a job. We had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Like the first thing I see today is, Philly fan freaking out over Joel Embiid. Uh, <laughs> I, I had to get your take on that right off the bat. Yeah, well, I've, I've been so frustrated, and it's only been, what, a year and a half with James Harden, and it makes me wonder how you guys did it for a decade here in Houston. But uh, I guess it was only a matter of time before he at least dropped a hint of maybe looking to go somewhere else. He's still under contract for three more years. Uh, so is he just going to get up and mope and not play? I, I don't think we're at that point yet, but I guess, and we talked about this on our show with these NBA guys, everybody's got a little bit of an expiration date. So I guess uh, we'll just have to see where this one goes, but on a scale of one to ten, panic meter, I'm still only at about three. That, that's probably fair. And uh, uh, your Eagles 
have done a lot this offseason. You and I have, have texted you about that. Yeah. They just seem to keep making the right moves. And I, I don't think wrong by just drafting Georgia player after Georgia player. <laughs> no, uh, they certainly made a bunch of picks out of uh, the University of Georgia. And, uh, you know, of course, I don't know if you saw Jalen Carter's now getting sued. And so there's some more that might unfold there, but I couldn't believe Nolan Smith got down to them at the end of the first round. And, uh, you know, gosh, as you know, I, I was at the Super Bowl and it was a crushing loss, but certainly optimistic about where we're headed in 2023 with the Eagles because, I mean, you tell me outside of San Francisco, who else do I really need to be afraid of in the NFC? Well, my, my concern with San Francisco is more coach erosion, right? I mean, you know, year after year, if you keep le- losing time. I don't know who's calling me in the middle of the show. Uh, but all these guys are are, are are pretty good that they've lost, D'Amico. Right. And, and, you know, half their offensive staff. And, you know, the, I, I still think quarterback's a bit of an issue there. We don't know what's going to happen. So, if anybody's going to take a little step back, I think it would be them. Um, I mean, they may not. I mean, he's done a good job, of, but they've had some off years under Shanahan, too. So, Well, let me ask you, do you think that Seattle's ready to win the division? I don't think so. Okay. I, 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 I mean, well, I, guess, I mean, well, we know Arizona's crap, right? Right. And we don't, and we don't know what the Rams are. So if, if San yeah. Francisco were to take a step back, then yes, I guess you could say Seattle could win that division. Yeah. So... But, uh, you know, uh, let me ask you, because it was a big topic for me today, uh, staying in the NFC, where do you think we're headed with Saquon Barkley and the Giants? I mean, I think if there was ever a running back to attempt a Le'Veon Bell type kind of holdout, that it would be this guy, because we know that the Giants offensive line is not very good. Their wide receiver room leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, Daniel Jones ain't going to go out there and win you 10 games. So I think we could be looking at a long stalemate here. Yeah, it seems like it. But, you know, 10 million is a pretty good, pretty good year. And you don't want to start missing checks. So um, I I think they'll get it worked out. I'm always optimistic that these things end well. Uh, It just it's New York. So, yes, everybody's going to talk about it. And uh, and I don't know what I would do if I were the Giants here. I don't want to pay him a Zeke Elliott contract because we see what happens. And but you also see what you're missing if you don't have him. And uh, well, isn't is, there a middle ground there? I would think it's just if you're Saquon, are you taking the middle ground? You know, you're going to be look, look. What, you're, what is your offense without me? And right. That, and I'm sure that's why they couldn't get a deal done. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess a lot of it, too, will depend on the term, uh, if what he can get. Now, right, obviously, there's no deal now, so it's just he either signs his franchise tender or he doesn't. But, uh, you know, in term, I, I wonder, too, maybe he wasn't going to get the McCaffrey-level guarantee, but if I were him, I would have looked at, like, a three- or four-year deal in the neighborhood of what Nick Chubb got from Cleveland, which is, like, $12 million a year, I believe, and probably settled for that. So I wasn't inside the negotiations, but – that just feels like one that could linger. Yeah, and and I, you know, I, I think it'll linger until week one when the paychecks start, and then you're then you're going to be dealing with this again all next off season. Because so you think he's on the field week one and plays on the tag? Yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. And okay. and then I think uh, uh, they fight about this for, and we go through it again next year. You know? Right. Sure. So it's kind of like the Aaron Rodgers wants to be traded thing that we went through year after. Aaron Rodgers oh, wants to retire. God. Wants to retire. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, notice Tom Brady how he wants to retire. It was very strategic on Rodgers' part. He always dropped those after he would screw up in the playoffs again. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was his way of moving the changing the narrative. Kind of like LeBron. Yeah. Remember when he yeah. got swept by Denver and he's like, well, I might retire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We joked about that on uh, Thursday when ESPN was doing like breaking news, LeBron to return for another year. Right. It's like Yeah, so breaking. Yeah. No yeah, that's for LeBron James. <laughs> breaking news, I'm old. Uh, <laughs> you know, breaking news, I suck at marriage. Uh, yeah, that, that's all. <laughs> Oh, breaking news. We, we just broke it right here on FalconCast. Hey, um, I, I, I wanted to get to, to one more, at least, baseball topic with you at some sure. point. Because the trade deadline's coming up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the Astros fans got another look at Otani. They're not getting him. What do you do if you're the Angels? And I know you've talked about you would trade him at the deadline here. But, oh, you would have done it last year, so you'd have got more. But yeah. what do you do? Yeah, I think it's organizational malpractice if you let a player of his talent walk out the door for nothing. And the only reason you don't trade him is if you feel confident that your second half, which I'm not, because they've slipped in the standings, that you can be competitive enough to flirt with the playoffs. And then you try and sell him on this bill of goods that I don't think anybody is buying. Well, hey. Next year, Mike Stroud will be healthy. Next year, Anthony Rendon will be healthy. And it never seems to work out, but that's the Angels every year, is you buy into them being healthy if you're a fan of theirs. And then by Memorial Day, they're 10 games under 500 and the season's over. So I think it's a no-brainer. Even though he's a rental, he'd be the most expensive rental of all time. And, you know, I think a functional franchise makes that move, but the Angels are not functional. Well, and, and, you know, just one more baseball take because kind of related to that. And we've talked about the Angels. It's like it doesn't matter who they have, right? They're, they're just doomed. And you, you mentioned three names there with Otani and Trout. And, of course, Trout gets hurt again. Rendon, uh, they've got all these players. They're never on the field at the same time. And, you know, I look at teams like the Mets and Padres this year. It's like you can spend all the money you want, but unless you put together a team that actually picks, picks each other up a little bit, uh, and like, if you're pit- not pitching well, you better be hitting. If you're not hitting well, you better be pitching. Right. And I, I just, this has been the angels forever. Yeah, no, you're right. You can't necessarily spend your way out of, uh, the basement. Now it's interesting in that division, you could argue that's what the Rangers have done. Um, so I guess it's a dangerous game, right? When you, when you start spending and then you do have a star or two, like a Trout or Otani where, you can't rebuild while you have those guys on your roster, but right. if you make bad investments, then you're going to lose and you're going to have bad contracts on the books and you're probably going to piss them off. So it's kind of the worst place to be. I think you're right about the Padres and the Mets. Those are cautionary tales for other teams to spend wisely if you're going to spend. And, you know, gosh, you know, I'll throw it back at you with the Mets and potentially a trade deadline fit with the Astros. Max Scherzer for sale? Are you making that call? Uh, I'm making the call at least. But yeah, one yeah, year left after 
23. Yeah, and, and you know, at, at this point, you start worrying he's had a lot of injuries, just like Verlander. It's like they're great guys to have, but you'd be counting on him being healthy. And yeah. I, I just don't know. I think there's some mid-level starters they should go after. Um, you know, they've got guys that, if they, frankly, if they don't turn it around, uh, like if, if Javier doesn't pitch like he pitched in the postseason last year, and, you know, Fromber's not dominant, they don't have a chance anyway. Uh, That's a good point, year. yeah. And I think they just need to get their guys right. And, you, know, they, you know, they went in with seven starting pitchers, and now they've got three, sort of, two and a half, and J.P. France and guys like that that, you know, we're never supposed to be pitching this year, and they're still only a couple games out. So um, I, I think they'll be fine. But I would like to see just an innings eater, right? They can give you a three fifty sure. ERA. Yeah, if they get that, I think that would be awesome. Sure. About your Phillies. Yeah, I think there's starting innings eater as well would be something that they could look at because their starting pitching's been a bit inconsistent. Uh, and then the other big hole, which has not been filled ever since Reese Hoskins went down with a torn ACL in spring training, would be a right-handed power bat at first base. So if St. Louis Puts Paul Goldschmidt on the market. His contractual status is the same as Scherzer. He's got one more year after this year. I'm very interested in bringing in the guy from the Woodlands. Uh, but uh, if they can bring in another starting pitcher, because Aaron Noel has been a bit of a disappointment this year, uh, and you can turn out Zach Wheeler, Taiwan Walker, and somebody that you can acquire, then I feel a lot better about their rotation. But uh, they're playing really well. I can't wait to see him when I'm, I'm flying home at the end of the week and going to go to a couple games next week against the Orioles. So looking forward to another, hopefully, uh, long playoff run. All right. Uh, hang around for a bit. I, I got I to do a little business here, but I want to do a shout out to all the people who are uh, commenting. All your, so this, this is just a little overly technical, but this uh, software I'm using now like any comment from anywhere, like if you comment on Twitch, you comment on Twitter, it all pops up into the, the chat so I can read it. So I think it even does Facebook. So it, it, and so it is going out live, like on Twitter, it's going out live on Facebook and, and YouTube and, and of course Twitch, but Twitch was always kind of the community we built. So that's why we're using it. But uh, I want to shout out Chuck D, Todd the Show, Jared Taylor, uh, BS Flea, uh, King of All Witches, B. Hannon, uh, great to have you guys on there commenting, and feel free to jump in at any time. But first, I have to tell you about my favorite place to go. And you can catch me there almost every Friday afternoon, sometimes uh, the days where I don't have a podcast. I like to go on the weekends as well. It's the Phoenix on Westheimer. And if you've never been, I know I got some a few soccer fans out there. It is the best soccer bar in the city. They're going to have the Women's World Cup July 20th through August 20th. They're going to be open for all the games, regardless of the start time. They're going to have the kitchen open, but they have to stay within the uh, TABC hours for alcohol. And, uh, you know, the, the other cool thing that we've got going on, and Greg, I hope if you're in town and not busy, you can make it. August 26th, we're doing a big fundraiser. Uh, a guy named uh, Daniel Ramon was paralyzed from the chest down uh, in, in a car accident. He's a single parent with a young kid. And so we're going to raise some money to help him out because he can't pay his bills. And uh, that's going to be August 26th, 6 o'clock. Some of the best chefs in the city will be there. Uh, we've got a nice lineup of bands, including mine. Uh, we've got some other, you know, all kinds of cool stuff. We're going to get some famous people there. You can get your picture taken with. 
it will be a great event. So circle the date right now, August 26th. And before that, just go check out the Phoenix. They've got an incredible staff, uh, Camilla and Derek and Bailey and all those guys are fantastic. And uh, the food's great. Uh, Vu, who runs the place, is fantastic. And uh, uh, it's just my kind of place. It's your kind of place. Please go check out the Phoenix on Westheimer. All right. I, I'm going to bring back an old argument we used to have. <laughs> July is the worst sports month. It's not debatable. I don't know why you keep putting putting February in there. Well, listen, I know you're not a tennis guy. I got my Wimbledon shirt on today because we had an amazing final yesterday. So got to wake up to that. Uh, we have a golf major happening this week in the UK. Uh, we have the baseball trade deadline, which we just talked about. In the beginning of the month, we had free agency in the NBA and the NHL. So there's more going on in July than people give it credit for. Whereas in February, we have the Super Bowl, and that's it. We know that nobody cares about the regular season in the NBA. The teams don't because they load manage everybody. And, you know, hockey has its all-star break, I think, in early February. College basketball, we're still not at the marquee month of March, so that's my argument. Yeah, but to see, that's that's unfair to try to compare that to March. I mean, the, the, it starts getting pretty real for a lot of these teams in February. So uh, I'm going to just snatch that bone out of your mouth. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, the reality is I'd rather watch a, a regular season NBA game. I've been watching Summer League. I'd rather watch that than, no offense, tennis. I mean – uh, so I'll, I'll take that, but, uh, in the hockey, I, you know, I love, so, I mean, that's three sports that are going on right there and you got the Super Bowl. So, um, which is one game and could suck. Yeah. And <laughs> you don't even have one game in this month. You, you know, what's no. getting the most run, you know, what's getting the most run WNBA. Are you, are you proud of that? Listen, I, I'm not, you know what, I don't like the value. WNBA shirt. Go get you a Phoenix Aces shirt or uh, Las Vegas Aces, whichever. No, uh, no team, no WNBA team in Houston, right? No, no. They had when it started. They had like a team that won four in a row with the Comets, but okay. Uh, and and they were kind of rock stars in this city, but it's hey. Not let me. Matters. I know it's your show. I want to ask you a question if you'll allow it. Yeah, go ahead. Um, you got me hooked last summer on the Lincoln Lawyer. And I was wondering if you've watched the first five episodes of season two yet. Yeah, we, we actually talked about this Thursday. I have a real beef with Netflix because they did this with The Witcher also. Don't, uh, don't drop me five episodes out of a 10-episode season, Netflix. That's not who you are. That's drop true. me the whole damn season. Right. And it really – so I found myself – I enjoyed it right up until the end. And I thought the whole thing was there. And – oh. Nope. I got to wait nope. a couple weeks. So no, Yeah, it's like end of August. No, it's like a month. I thought it was the beginning of August. No, it's the end of August? I think it's the end of August. I don't know. I may be confusing okay. it with The Witcher because I got just as pissed when they did it with that. So Because the uh, first season yeah. they dropped the whole thing, right? Yeah, yeah. See, that's right. the thing. <laughs> You've established that this is how you do things. And then why you want to mess with two of my favorite shows? And yeah. take it there. Yeah. I take that very personally, uh, as did I should. You, did you do any succession? No, you know what? That show just never captured me. Okay. And a lot of 
you know, a lot of people have told me, oh man, you got to watch the show. And it's like, all right, I'll give it a try. And it's just, there's just no, I always have to have somebody to root for. They don't have to be okay. perfect. And like, to me, the perfect one, I'm looking forward to this justified reboot because Raylan Givens was a, he's a badass and he pushes a line a little bit, but boy, you root for him. And that's why I love the show so much. There's just nobody to root for in succession. And if you can give me one, I'll try it. I mean, most of the characters are pretty miserable. I, I yeah. give you that. I'm finished. I got two episodes left. But yeah. uh, something about Kieran Culkin. He, I, he's probably my favorite only because of his crass sense of humor. But uh, it's a fair point that you make about just not being able to kind of get behind a character. Yeah. And... I mean, I, I can root for a bad guy. I just need likable bad guy. You yeah. know? I mean, that's yeah, what I, I, I remember we did a, uh, we had a promo last year for our show about movie villains, and Cyrus the Virus was your favorite, right? Yeah. yeah. I found him likable. Not, yeah. not as a person, but as a character. So give sure. me that. You know, right. those, those are the kind of things that, that I enjoy. But yeah, the, uh, and I'm, I was going to get to it a little later, but I'll, I'll do this while you're here. Um, I've been watching a lot of documentaries and so over the weekend I, I, I got to where I was watching all these murder docs right and at one point I'm like what the hell uh, have I uh, am I going crazy because now I'm thinking about oh man I would have got away with it if I did this and I would have got away with it if I did that and I'm like yeah this is probably not good for my mental health so I flipped <laughs> over to another Netflix thing and it was some new series. I can't remember what it's titled, but they have all this different stuff. And the first one I started looking at it at was called AI Killer Robots. And I'm like oh. two minutes. I'm, yeah, I'm two minutes. Right up your ass. I'm like, no, 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 no. I've seen this. It's called The Terminator. You guys need to stop with this. And what's funny is these scientists are so excited, right? I mean, they're all like, oh, this could end homelessness. Go, yeah, it's going to end homelessness because they're going to kill us all. I mean, <laughs> what the hell? So yeah, That was I, your I, ongoing I, joke. Anytime I advocated for robo-offs, <laughs> you were like, yep. be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yep, yep. And, uh, you know, I, I, I still the, think. Uh, Oppenheimer Kool-Aid. Everybody's hyping yeah. it up. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Uh but have you been to the, the theater since COVID at all? It's a good question. Uh, I don't. No, I stand corrected. I saw House of Gucci in the theater ah. with a date who I grew to hate. So how, how is the dating life going for you? Uh, you know, put yourself out there. Ghosted a lot, you know couple good ones and then it just fizzles out not all the women communicate the way you'd like them to but i guess that's dating as a late 20 year old these days <laughs> actually yeah i is i made it i'm just not going out with anybody anymore it's just i'm done you're retired uh, i'm you're retired good. yeah i had a great run well no not a great run because i failed at all of them but i had a pretty good run but, you know, it was funny because there was this a girl I know from uh, that I met at Phoenix a couple of times that asked me out this weekend. And she's like 28 years old. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Wow. 
And no, no. I'm just like, what am I going to have in common with you? You know, go get divorced two more times and come see me. Although I guess there's a part of me that, you know, says maybe I should get the apple off the tree instead of going to the store and buying used apples. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I said no. I, okay. I just didn't think it was. I, I just didn't think it was right. How's your poker been? We we haven't ever we haven't been at the same table in a while. No, we haven't. Oh, you know, I've actually done pretty well the last couple of weeks. So, um, you know, trying to figure out. My big thing is when I get cards, how to play them, and I, I think I'm getting better at that. Um, as far as when to bluff, I'm still kind of figuring that out. But I feel like I'm I'm getting better at how to play certain hands. So. I've always told people bluffing is overrated. Uh, there's a time to do it, yeah. but you know it, it, it's also. And I think part of it was during the World Series, you'd see guys go all in with like ten seven, and you know. But they had built up to that, thinking, you know, knowing that they might be able to bet this guy off a good hand uh, because right. of the stuff they've been seeing for hours. And so when you see that, and then everybody's like, "Oh, I bluffed you," and like, you're going to bluff me sometimes. It's going to happen. Right. And, but I'm also not going to get crazy with it. I always like the semi bluff. I like the, you know, I'll lead out when I've got an open ended or a flush draw or something like that. Sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Hey, I hung out with your guy, Lawyer John, yesterday. We, we actually played some okay. tennis at Rice. Oh, yeah? yeah. I saw him, I think it was Saturday night. Uh, okay. Yeah. We hung out, hung out at PJs a little bit and then came over here. Cause... I tell you, with the kind of law he does, that guy's got to always be busy with all that NCA, especially now with all this NIL stuff. Yeah, and that's not going away, right? That's not solved yet. And so, yeah. uh, John is a, a an NCA compliance lawyer and, and one of my favorite people. And uh, uh, Greg got to know him because they play tennis. And uh, yeah, he uh, he he's always busy now. And in this NIL thing, once the government starts getting involved in that and it starts flipping then I think you're going to see a lot of changes. I'm just going to keep him busy. And, you know, I'll have him on the show because, you know, he there's nobody that knows more about that stuff. Uh, you just wind him up. And, yeah. And, and he will he will tell you everything. And, uh, you know, at least in what he can, right? Because there's a lot mm -hmm. of stuff in coffee. But, I mean, every rule, everything he knows. And we were having a conversation. Uh, PJ and I were actually having a conversation. And uh, it, PJ thinks the SEC is ruining college football. And you know, his, his take hey, on that. You, I, I agree with that. Oh, I know you would have. Yeah. Yeah. But he starts talking about all the NIL stuff and, and this and this. And, you know, John comes in and just starts saying, well, actually, this is what happens. And this is what happens. <laughs> Speaking of it college football, UH first year in the Big 12, optimistic, pessimistic, somewhere in between? Uh, cautiously pessimistic. Okay. Uh, would, the way to put it uh yeah i've i've had a couple of good conversations with, with dana holgerson we uh sometimes frequent the the same establishment and um i just i don't feel like they have the talent because they were i think they were better last year uh you had a veteran quarterback uh and you had a tank dell who got drafted by the texans yeah they i mean they've got some good young receivers and i I know they like both these quarterbacks, but you lost four games in the AAC, and yeah. you did not match up when you played Kansas. And you should have beaten Tech, but you didn't. It, it's just so much of it was, hey, you know, uh, 
But they survived by good the skin of their teeth against UTSA in the opener. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and his point is that we talked too much about the negatives and that they had some great wins, that being one of them. And uh, the the other one was the Memphis win. They had no business winning that game. And it was it was fantastic. And all the other games were close except for Kansas. And, I mean, and that's, you know, that's certainly the coach's take on it. And, you know, he feels pretty confident. So we'll see. I'm, I'm hopeful. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling great about this. I just think it's uh, – uh, I, I thought they would be another step ahead going right. into this year, and I don't feel like they took that step forward. Uh, not that they're going to have the team they had two years ago every year; it just happened to run in Cincinnati. But uh, yeah, you know that's. Uh, but but I mean, I hope they're competitive. I think it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see some of these teams coming back down here too. And yeah, uh, that Texas game is uh, uh, that's going to be a big one. What's that crowd uh, split here? Oh, it, it'll be. The guys who have season tickets at UH are not giving those to, to Texas fans. But, I mean, Texas will buy up everything they can. Yeah. A yeah. Lot, of, lot of horns here in Houston. So. By the way, I see uh, King of All Twitches ask how I played. The lawyer got me pretty good yesterday. I started to play <laughs> better just as the lights went out. You know, so uh, I, needed, I needed, like, one of those uh, – remember the Super Bowl with the 49ers and the Ravens when the lights went out and then – yeah, the came yeah. back on, and the, whoever was getting killed came back and almost won. Like that's what I needed, except the lights never came back on. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I tell you, he taught the whole John's sport to himself. I'm impressed. He's good. Oh yeah, he, he's 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 a good tennis player, and he knows yeah. it, man. Yeah. Uh, if you ever decided to quit being a lawyer, I'm pretty sure he could go bet on it and make <laughs> a real good living. Just you know, he he just knows everything, and uh, and like I said, you you guys. Uh, I, we had him on the blitz a few times back in the day, but he'll definitely make an appearance here. And uh, all right, so so for the the last question, sure, is uh, one things I'm going to start is how drunk are we today, on a scale of one to ten? Now you just got off work, yeah. so I'm guessing you you haven't had a chance to pour one yet. Yeah, zero. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, this is a vodka water that's half full, so I'm I'm not to one yet because I just okay. started it when the show started. But uh, anybody else on Twitch who's imbibing, let me know where, what, what, where you are on a scale of one to ten today, and we'll just uh, we'll roll with that. So, Greg, any final thoughts? I mean, uh, I, I really appreciate you coming on, and it's been fun catching up. No, yeah, it's been good chopping it up. Uh, sports, TV. I, I am, like I mentioned, I, I'm curious if this Oppenheimer Oppenheimer movie lives up to the hype. Everybody, yeah, Chris, I, I, Christopher Nolan. Everybody's saying it's the greatest thing ever, and I, I just yeah. let, let let me see. Yeah. They also they also said Inception was fantastic, and I love Christopher Nolan. I'm like, yeah, this is more confusing than The Matrix. Exactly. Yeah. Like he just tries to screw with you so much and make you think different things are going on, and sometimes it's a lot for me. So we'll see. Good to be on. All with right. You. So let, one more before I let you go, because this sure. is this refers to one of my stories at the end of the show. So this is sort of a tease for everybody who's uh, listening live. Um, I mentioned the, the 29 year old the other day, what is an age range for you at, at 29, 30? Cause most of our listeners are in that range. How, how low will you go or how high? Um, the, I, you know, I'm more inclined to go like higher than lower. So I still think the lowest I would probably go, is twenty four twenty five? Now maybe okay. I'm a little 
too conservative there, and I should be going lower. But 24-25, and the highest I would – I don't think a 40-year-old wants to date me, but if she does, I, I would consider it. <laughs> See, because I have a lot of friends who are 40, and they all want to date guys your age. Oh, they they okay. they don't want they don't want the veteran. They want, they want to feel young. Yeah, I guess that's it. And plus, you know, they're easier to control, I suppose. Okay. But uh, so twenty five yeah. to forty, I'll say. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I I was just curious because uh, you know, it, the story is about a guy who marries a woman who's way younger than him, and I mean significantly younger, and uh, you know, and they're in love, and age doesn't mean a thing, and. Love conquers all. Yeah, and Flea, I know the whole take your current age, divide by two, and add seven. That's that. That's I don't know who came up with that, but so like I'm if, if I get a thirty four year old, and the thirty four doesn't, you know, needs to age another year. No, that's just dumb. It's a it's a <laughs> guy. It's a guideline. It's not an official rule, Flea. There's no anyway, textbook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, trust me, if there was, I wouldn't be writing it. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, I appreciate the time. Let's do this again sometime and uh, tell them again how to, how to listen to the show. Absolutely. No, good to be aboard with you, Fred. Yeah, every day, SportsMap Radio, SportsMapRadio.com, SportsMap Radio app, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 Central. I know it's like a lot of Houston people. So 1 to 3 Central, two hours, mostly sports, sometimes a movie take or, uh, you know, whatever else is on my mind. Uh, you know, one last thing I'll leave you with. Um, ticket insurance. I was buying Phillies tickets for my vacation with my dad. And I had the thought on Saturday when I was buying, is this not the biggest waste of $20? Why would I want to insure my ticket? Because what are the odds that I'm go something's going to happen to me where I'm going to need this? Yeah, uh, I, I don't get it. I, I mean, I've I never, mean, I, I've had that, you know what? I had that problem one time at a Texans game. Okay. And we went in and our tickets wouldn't work. And it turns out that someone in the office had stolen the original ones oh. and used them already. Wow. And so they sent us some repair ones, replacement ones, and they wouldn't work because those guys got the game before us. Of course, we found out who it was and they got fired. So there was that. Okay. But yeah. yeah. But yeah, outside of... Auto insurance, health insurance, and life insurance. I think travel insurance is the only one that I can get behind. Maybe, but if I die, who's, who's getting the money these days, you know? That's what I said, life insurance. Yeah, 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 okay. No? You're out on that? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just uh, – but, I mean, what, they, what, what could I – what do I have that they lose my luggage or whatever that right. – I don't even know what it right. covers. That's Does true, it cover? Too. Does it cover me dying? Yeah. Because I already got that. So, anyway. All right, brother. All right. Thanks a lot. And uh, let's do this again. And uh, hopefully I'll, I'll see you see you one of the games here soon. You bet. Take care. All right, brother. Okay. I have to tell you about my good friend, Dr. Linville. And it, it's really awesome what he does. And I'm, I'm really proud to have him on as a sponsor. Uh, he, he will replace your hair. And this is a, a very cool procedure where he takes grafts off the back of your head because those grow back and he puts them where you don't have it. And there's no anesthesia. It's just numbing medicine. The pain is very minimal. And 95 to 99% of the grafts take because grafts are handled and prepared safely. And I can tell you, 
uh, almost mine, all of mine from three years ago were still there. And, you know, it's, it's a really cool procedure. He has an individualized plan for each and every patient. And they only charge $4 per graft, $4. So if you've been thinking about getting this done, just, just do this. You can go book a consultation. Tell them you heard about it on the Falcon cast and uh, your consult fee will be waived. $150 value. Uh, so you can get the consultation for free. Go to hairspecialisthouston.com uh, or, and once you get there, just, uh, like I said, tell me you heard about it on Falcon cast and let's help support these guys because they are supporting us. All right. Uh, Rain man says this conver conversation has me missing my granny banging days. Okay. Yeah. Out there breaking hips, man. It's all good. All right. I'm going to bring in my guy, Joe Spano here. I know I'm bringing you on a little early. You there, Joe? I am Craig. I am Fred. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you good. All right, cool. I wasn't sure it wasn't showing me audio on Restream. We're rocking and rolling. How are you, brother? Oh, I'm doing really, really well, man. Uh, you know, just uh, trying to build this thing up. And uh, so far, so good. People seem to like it. A uh, few more listeners every day, and, and that's how we're going to do it, piece by piece. It won't take you long, man. It really won't take you long. I've listened to every episode, and they are getting more and more fun, and it's more and more of the Falcon. And that's that's what makes it great. You know, the fact that you got the Blitz reunion going, that that's a whole lot of fun, and that's unique in and of itself. But just twice a week of Walla Wall Falcon, you know, that's something that, that's been missed for a while. So... I think it's going to take off quickly. I think it's really going to explode. No, I appreciate you saying that. I'm just, uh, you know, it's funny. I, it, it was basically a lot of people on Facebook and Twitter telling me, start a podcast, start a podcast. Like, dude, I don't know if I can make a living at that. And, you know, so far, okay, we're, we're doing okay. And uh, uh, lots of interest almost every time that we have a show, I hear from people who want to advertise and, you know, some big, some small. And, and you know, I need to get, if anybody knows anybody in those, Lake Charles casinos. I mean, that's who I need. I, yeah. I, I need some, uh, I need to get one of those guys. Uh, I haven't been to the horseshoe yet, but I've been to enough Caesars properties to, but I hear it's pretty nice. We're talking to some guys who were there yesterday. So yeah, I know if you guys have any contacts over there that you could send me, that'd be great. I'd like to pick one. And, uh, most of these guys go through agencies and it's a pain in the ass to deal with them, but, um, I, I'd love to have them. So, uh, all right, let's, uh, Let's get into a little sport, my friend. Well, a little first, bit of sports. Wait, wait. How drunk are you, though? Nah, I'm sober as a judge right now. It's a little no. early for me yet. Hey, as soon as we're off the air, I'll I'll tip a couple back. It's five. It's five thirty-nine out there. That's like yeah, it's true. Yeah. But I I stay oh, sober well. to do this, man. <laughs> well, so do I. It's part of my problem. That's why. But I did start right at four o'clock with this, and you know, it's not close to being done. Uh, but anyway, yeah, let's uh, let's talk a little baseball. I know we, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that, that we talked earlier today that, that we were getting into. But uh, uh, the uh, let's let's get to the trade deadline first, and then I want to talk about some you know MLB futures, World Series, uh, things like that. Did I lose you? I'm here. I'm here. Oh, okay. I'm here. Did I lose me? 
you lost you. Yeah. So oh, okay. you're you ready to talk a little trade deadline. I was wondering where you were going. Yeah. I was just going to say, what are your thoughts? I mean, did, you know, we talked Otani to death, but are the Mets sellers or the Mets, what are the Mets doing? I mean, what, what's, what do you think is going on there? Mets are going to sell off all the one-year commitment guys, the Robertsons, those guys, because they're not part of the long-term plan and they'll be replaceable pieces with guys of comparable or more money next year that are maybe a touch younger or a touch better because they're so far out of it in the NL East. They ain't catching the Braves and they're fighting with, they're at the bottom of a huge scramble of teams in the NL wildcard chase and they're probably just flat out not good enough to get to the top three in that heap. So sell off some of those rental pieces, you know, fortify a farm system, get some pieces that may help you down the road, either as part of your roster or as pieces in a trade going forward when you need to add something at next year's deadline. But that's where I see them going. So I definitely see them selling. The Yankees are going to buy, but it's going to be that tempered buy. If everybody's looking for the big splash from the Yankees, they're not getting it and... I think that's the prudent move by the Yankees because I'll be honest with you, I'm the Yankee fan in this room, and there's nothing they could buy that makes them better than Tampa Bay, makes them better than Houston, makes them better than Texas. Nothing. Makes them, it doesn't make them better than the Orioles even. So for me, if you're going to buy, don't spend too much, add some pieces, get in the playoffs, and who knows what happens. Yeah, just get in the playoffs and – you know, that's the thing. You don't need to be better than those teams for an entire regular season. We see it all the time. Uh, all you need to do is be better for, a, you know, five-game series, seven-game series. And you, you can get enough to help you do that. You just have to make yes. the right moves. And, uh, but, yeah, that's the uh, – I, I, people keep saying, oh, well, the Yankees will trade for Otani. It's like, are they really ready to spend that kind of money? Because they haven't been doing that. They spend up to a certain number, like the, the luxury tax line. And I think they've forgotten one thing. Does Shohei Otani strike you as an East Coast guy? No. 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 Bad so, that's, that's probably a little racist. No. Well, Japanese guys don't, don't want to go to the East Coast. And to answer the guy on the feed, aren't the Yankees current in last place in the AL East? Yes, they are. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yes, they are. But, and, and, but they'll still buy because they're not out of it by any means and so many teams coming in and – I think the realities for Shohei, if the Angels do trade him, I think he ends up getting traded to either Seattle or the Padres. And I know everybody said, well, the Padres wouldn't be buyers. They're going to be buyers and sellers at the same time. Yeah. They could they could trade for Shohei and trade Juan Soto at the same time. Not in the same place, but that that's the type of thing they could do where they do the old buyer and seller deal. They trade yeah. one solo like the Phillies or something who need a middle of the lineup bat. And they trade for Shohei. San Diego would be perfect for him. Seattle obviously would be perfect for him. So those are two places I could see him going because he would be a good fit and he'd re-up there. He ain't coming to the Yankees. The Yankees ain't spending that kind of money because they have to pay him more than Judge. And then that opens up a whole other can of worms. I think San Francisco might be a sneaky one in this one. That's uh, also a possibility. Too. Yeah. So, uh, all right, let's uh, let's look at some future bets. Let's get some wagers for the people. All right. What do you got on uh, MLB? I'll tell you. You know, these are all on 
win the World Series. The first one, and everybody in Houston's going to like this one, Astros at plus 950. Did you ever think going into the season that you'd be getting this price? No. But you're getting this price. But you're probably getting this price for about two weeks because we all know they're going to make the moves they need to make to put themselves in a great position to win series in October. And that's the reality. Get yourself in the best position to get the best path through October. But once they get there, and they are going to get there, if everybody's healthy, and when I say everybody, it's all the key pieces of the lineup. You know, there are certain guys that aren't going to be healthy this year. But you add one more arm at the front of that rotation, and you look at what the Astros would be, all that postseason experience. They've won this before. A lockdown bullpen has been as good as last year's? Not necessarily. And there are some pieces that have been moved around a little, but it's a lockdown bullpen for a month. Three and a half horses at the top of the rotation. All those veterans that have been through this before, a guy in Jordan who can anchor a terrific lineup and a lineup that's very clutch, that doesn't leave, that doesn't leave ducks on the pond. And the Astros at plus 950 to me are a tremendous bargain in the to win the World Series. Uh, who else you like besides them? Rangers. Again, same reason. I know the Rangers are going to make the moves they need to make. That ownership is committed to spending money and putting it all on the line now at the expense of later. They're going to need they need to add another piece to that bullpen and improving bullpen that's getting deeper, but it needs one more, you know, high leverage piece to make everybody better. And don't be shocked, despite the fact that nobody mentions them looking for a starter. Don't be shocked at them taking a stab at a starter because as good as their rotation's been thus far in the regular season, do you really like that wrote that top three or top three and a half, top four of that rotation through the rigors of October into possibly November? I'm not sold on it. I could see them getting a piece. And as a true flyer, Fred, because it's a bargain price, but I don't think they have enough starting pitching and I think they're too young. The Orioles at plus 2,800. I don't mind that. You know, you don't need to be better than everybody. And right now, they've been as good as anybody in the regular season. You just need to be better in a series. And, you know, that's where you, know, you get hot at the right time. You get hot pitching. I mean, that, the Astros had hot pitching last year, let's be honest. That bullpen gave up, what, one run the entire postseason. Correct. Uh, yeah, so they got hot at the right time. So if you get the right guys that get hot at the right time, I don't want to say anybody can win it because it's still, you know, depth does start to matter when you get the back end of that rotation in a seven-game series. But uh, you could certainly make a good run. All right, uh, I, I'm going to tell people real quick about Lawyer Dave, and then I want to finish a conversation you and I were having this morning. Um, awesome. But uh, Lawyer Dave, who is back in town, and if you need any legal advice, 713-626-8900 is your number. Uh, Dave and I went out Thursday, got caught up, and you know he, he got back in town on like Monday. And so it took him a couple of days to, to adjust because he was over in uh, Amsterdam, and then he was off the coast of Spain, and he was doing this gigantic case. And uh, you know, the cool thing about Lawyer Dave is he's going to, when he takes your case, 
You don't pay him a dime until you win. Uh, it's that simple. And uh, he will, you know, he's personal injuries is big thing. If you're in an accident, and guys, this is Houston. You're always in accidents, right? Um, those insurance companies have lawyers. You need your lawyer. And Lawyer Dave is it. It's 713-626-8900. He's going to hopefully pop on the show with me and AJ on Thursday. And uh, just give him a call. He'll take care of you. You don't pay a dime. He likes to gamble on himself. He likes to gamble on you. 713-626-8900. Need a lawyer. Better dial Dave. All right. Uh, before we, we get to that, did you see that the Astros are interested in Cody Bellinger? And like every news service, like, oh, how can he go there? Uh, he said all these bad things about Altuve. Uh, I think that's a little overrated. You know, you go in there, you work things out, and you play ball together. You don't have to like everybody you work with. And I definitely could see that happening at another bat. And I think they I think they're gonna be all over Marcus Stroman. It's a rental, it's not a long term commitment, and that's the anchor to the top of that rotation. Now you put Stroman to the top of that rotation or in that mix at the top of the rotation with, with what else they would send out there for the postseason, and you don't have any starting pitching worries. You're gonna trust the bullpen. And I think the bats, when most everybody's healthy, will speak for themselves, especially their ability to – the Astros don't leave in key spots. You know, I'm not talking a Thursday or a Wednesday over the course of 162. I'm talking October baseball. The right. Astros don't squander opportunities. They don't leave ducks on the pond in big spots, and they find a way to scratch out runs without a ton of hits. They, they just have a way. It's what makes them. It's one of the things that makes them champions. That's that's the reality. So, adding one more real frontline starter that pays dividends in October, and also will help them with their positioning now, to me. Makes a ton of sense for the Astros. So, you know, I, I think both of those moves would make perfect sense for them. All right. We were uh, having a conversation today, just getting caught up mostly, but also uh, we, we got into a topic that, that I think is pretty interesting and how coaches, and we're talking about and, and football as much as basketball. It's like the best coaches don't come in with their system and, and make whatever personnel they have do that, right? Uh, I mean, some of them are very successful doing that, but you know, a, a really good coach puts his players in, and I had a coach in high school tell me this and it's always stuck with me. It's like, all I try to do is get you, uh, get you to playing your best and then put you in the best position to succeed for us. So in other words, you know, I'm not playing cornerback, right? right. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, it makes perfect sense to me generational co I mean as you mentioned and I think you put it perfectly there are a lot of great coaches out there that are systems coaches Andy Reid you know I mean with the list goes on Kyle Shannon these are guys you mentioned they're systems coaches but they are great coaches and when surrounded with pieces that fit what they like they win championships that's the realities the thing that makes guys like Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells generational coaches is that they can make those adjustments game to game, week to week, half to half, hour to hour, minute to minute. 
And they are not about their system. The Belichick defensive system is that there is no system. Same thing with the offense. Same thing with Parcells. He went from winning two Super Bowls with the Giants by grounding and pounding to getting the Patriots to the Super Bowl with Drew Bledsoe as their quarterback, throwing it 50 times a game. Those are generational coaches because they fit the scheme to the personnel they have. And basically, the scheme is we don't have a scheme. It could change at any moment. But that's also a rarity. I mean, you're talking about a small, small group of guys. Uh, and I, I think the majority of really good coaches have their system, but they run, they'll adjust it to their playmakers, right? Yeah. Like, I think Sean, Sean Payton always did a good job of that in New Orleans. I mean, he's, he's got a very specific system he uses, but he also moves, moves pieces around. Uh, and and he'll, he'll change up. I mean, they, when they got Alvin Kamara, suddenly they were much more of a running team. And, yeah. you know, in Ingram, they would rotate those guys and run, run for a bunch of yards. So, um, but I do think people tend to overthink it sometimes when it comes to coaching. It, it really is a simple thing. It's, you know, put your guys in the best position to succeed. And then, then they have to execute. That's on them. Absolutely. And as long as you do that, you know, and uh, I, I think people, and I think to me, the two biggest indicators of that in football are third down play calling on offense and red zone defense and the good coaches find a way to execute in those situations. Yep. And that's where play calling really comes in. Stay off the field, get on the, stay on the field. Uh, keep your offense on the field, get your defense off the field. There's your formula. Yeah, for yeah. But even in basketball, we see it sometimes. And it's like, uh, and again, there's, there's a lot of great coaches out there, but a coach does make a difference. Uh, now, college basketball, I think it's a lot bigger difference than it is the NBA. Absolutely. No question. Uh, I mean, and, and that may be the most uh, impactful sport for a coach at the college or pro level. It, it might yes. be college basketball because, you know, a good coach is going to take you – know, he may not – the ones who have the best players are going to be great, but you can take a guy who can take a bunch of, uh, you know – B-level players, and like I think Kelvin Simpson's done a good job of that for a long time. Now he's starting to get the five stars, but the the reality is, you know, you teach him the right way to play, you can improve a college basketball team in a hurry. You absolutely can, and I and I think you really hit it on the head there. Of the major sports on the major college and professional level, in basketball, the co the head coach and the coaching staff can have the largest and most telling impact and really the program becomes about them in a way. Yes. You have football coaches on the college level where that happens to it on the NFL level, but it's not the same in that it's just different. It's five players on the floor at a time as opposed to 11 or nine in baseball. And it just seems to me that a coach can implement a foundation and just have results that keep on cranking out, cranking out, cranking out. You mentioned Kelvin Sampson with the Houston Cougars and pretty much every other stop he's ever been at on a college level before that. Another guy, he doesn't have a job right now, and you can question his choices, Bob Huggins. Yeah. Bob Huggins has never had the best talent. And even at Cincinnati, it was Bob Huggins. You know, he was that program. And at West Virginia, even more so. You know, yeah. they're, they're, you know, he's not getting 
five-star, four-star. He's getting a lot of three-star, two-star, grinded guys who fit what he likes and take on his personality on the basketball court, and it's resulted in, and it resulted in sustained success at West Virginia. So I, I think those are just a couple of examples of guys that do it better than just about anybody and really put that blueprint on the program and year in and year out, they win big despite not having five stars and four stars. Well, and then some, some guys are good coaches and they're just not a fit for a program. Like for instance, you know, when Shaka was at Texas, they did okay, but yeah. he gets to Marquette and they're, you know, he wins like crazy. You know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to me. You should be able to get better players at Texas than you do at Marquette. And it's no disrespect to Marquette. But and it looked like on paper he had them. It just yeah. didn't work. Much yeah. like their football program, no matter, you know, up until Sark here, no matter who they've cycled through as the head coaches since the end of the Mac Brown era, they always got the horses, right? They were top ten, top five in recruiting classes every year, and they'd go seven and four. Yeah, and, and look. A lot of times when guys go to big programs like that, we saw it when Kevin Sumlin got fired at A&M. He went to Arizona. He forgot how to coach. Yeah, and been able to coach a lick ever since. That's he, true. Even in the USFL. And uh, I, was, I was glad to see Tom Herman get another job. But, you know, I, I don't know that sometimes everything that goes on at a big school like Texas, it, it's just too much for, for some guys because you're not just working for the athletic director there. At Texas, you're working for this whole big group of alumni who sit up there in that uh, uh, lunch place every day and, and eat fancy buffets and uh, spend a lot of money on the program, and you have to be able to win them over, and it creates a lot of additional pr pressure. And, you know, I, I, I mean, Tom was always kind of a feisty guy, and, you know, that's the thing. I think for Texas, they needed someone with more of Sark's personality. Now, I still don't know if he's the guy there. But that's why Mac Brown was so good. Mac Brown just turned on that charm and shake that hand and say, "Hey, we're here to win for the University of Texas, and we're all looking forward to it." So. And it's going to be an interesting battle when they move over from the Big Twelve to the SEC because of just the depth. I mean, obviously, them in Oklahoma moving over only add to that. But I mean, their schedule is going to be a meat grinder every year in a way that maybe they weren't used to. And yeah. so that, that's going to, you know, a whole nother set of challenges and then the resulting pressure from the alumni if they can't leap over Alabama and LSU and Georgia on an annual basis and they're not getting to the college football playoffs even after it expands. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds over the next few years. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm interested. I, I think uh, in retrospect, if I'm Texas and Oklahoma – I think my thing is big enough to throw it out there on the table and say, hey, I'll be the big 12. It's exactly 12. It just throw it on the table. And I'm Texas and I'm Oklahoma. I don't need the SEC to, to be great. But by the same token, um, those are big brands. And, you know, if that makes more money for, for them and for the conference, so be it. But how much more money did Texas need? Texas generates more revenue than any other athletic program in the country by a wide margin and because of you know because of the number of times they held up the rest of the members of the Big 12 to stay they got all those concessions where even if the Big 12 contract was smaller it didn't matter they got more of the money and then they got to have their own network which they will have to disband 
when they go to the SEC. Yeah, I, I mean, I just it's the old Wall Street thing, right? Greed is good. Yeah. It is good until it bites you on the rear end, man, and that could happen. You were you were a big fish in a smaller pond. You're going to the biggest pond there is. How big a fish are you, and is the extra money, and how much extra money is it really worth the middling results and what they could do to you? Well, I, I would, would just say this. The reality to me is if you can win in the SEC and your Texas – your brand's going to be even bigger. And well, that's, that's a license that's to print like, money, isn't it? I mean, that's yeah. like a crime. Yeah. So I mean, that's crazy. That could happen. Yeah. yeah they could buy half the country. Yeah. I mean, literally. Or, or I maybe, mean, just, maybe just go buy Puerto Rico. <laughs> it's warm enough and nice enough. I mean, and there's plenty of beaches. What else do you really need? I mean, you know, when you look at how it's changed and how the college sports landscape and well, it's all pulled by college football how it's changed in 20-odd in years, you know, where Texas is now far and away the biggest revenue generator. 20-odd years ago, it was Notre Dame that had all that leverage. That's how they got that contract of their own TV contract on NBC. They don't have that kind of leverage anymore. They still got that contract, but I saw an awful lot of those Notre Dame games when they were out of contention for anything on a down year, get scuttled over to the old Peacock, the old streaming platform. So, you know, Notre Dame is not what it used to be, and some of these traditional mighty powers just don't have the leverage that they used to because now everybody's on TV. So I want to go someplace where the girls wear short skirts and the weather's great, not someplace where uh, Monsignor so-and-so says no girls in a room and it's 20 degrees in the winter. Oh, I'm sure there'd be plenty of little boys allowed. Um, <laughs> sorry. You, you had to... Let me check with the boss and see if that joke's okay. Nah, you don't uh, do that anymore. <laughs> I think jokes like that. So the phone light up. I said, well, after the show, I'll be getting my last check. Oh, well, you don't have to worry about that anymore. Boss said it's okay, but it, it, it's just different. I mean, we've seen those traditional powers that weren't in – Places that are cool to hang out in 12 months a year have lost some of that luster on a year in Europe. Not all of them, but some of them. Notre right. Dame is a is a shell of what it used to be in many ways. They have their moments, but on a but you look, when did you ever think the head coach of Notre Dame would leave for greener pastures called LSU? You never thought that would never happen. That shows you how the landscape has shifted in many ways all over the college sports landscape. Yeah, and uh, I also think they're going to find out the hard way that Brian Kelly was a hell of a coach. I know he's a weirdo, but now that he's going to be able to get the talent he gets at LSU, uh, he, he did some Have you ever been to South Bend? Outside of the yeah. campus and touchdown Jesus – there's no reason to be there. I mean, it, yeah. you know, it, the city is the college, and well, come December, it's cold, it's frigid, there's rules. And you got to remember, Notre Dame doesn't make very many academic concessions for you to get your guys in. So all of a sudden, you've got these guys you want to get. Well, you can't get them. They, they can't meet the stringent academic requirements that Notre Dame puts out there. 
the uh, why do you think they always end up with great offensive linemen, five star offensive linemen? Offensive linemen typically the smartest guys on the team, right? Well, so you get your your best offensive linemen will go to Notre Dame. Your best athletes that maybe can't meet the Notre Dame academic standard go everywhere else, and you can recruit them in the South, and it's nice and sunny all year, and the girls wear short skirts, and it's Christmas time, and there's a palm tree, and you got a short sleeve shirt on, and life is great. You're not bundled up in, you know, in three jackets and shoveling a foot of snow off the dorm. All right, that's Joe Spano. Joe, I really, really appreciate you taking the time. We'll do this again soon, and uh, good stuff, my friend. I look forward to it, Freddie. Anytime you need me, you know where to find me. All right, brother. So uh, I need to tell you about Lanham Industries. Uh, Southern Living Cleaning is the, and is the Lake Livingston area leader in providing quality service for your vacation home. Uh, consultation services to find the right home and location, decor and theme, price points. It's a one-stop shop for all vacation home service needs. And they do everything. Cleaning, lawn care, laundry, maintenance, inventory management, and property management services available. And you guys, I know me know I love me some Lake Livingston. And as soon as I can get some things straightened out, I'm definitely going to get a place up there. And I'm definitely going to use them because they do everything. Consistent five-star rating from guests and owners. Veteran-owned and operated, which, you know, is always going to be a big deal on this podcast. And uh, give them a call. Here are your numbers. 936-581-6166. Or 346-773-9577. Or go online to lanhamindustries.com slash GoDaddy. And you can check out all the great services they have, have. And hopefully at some point I'll be your neighbor up there. All right. Time for the final thoughts. Uh, I mentioned this story earlier. And uh, it, it's... I, I don't know how to feel about this. So I want to get your takes on this. A, name, a guy named Claudio Spilatro who's 63 years old, uh, 38-year age gap with his 25-year-old wife, Simi Ataja. Now, I kind of think a guy named Claudio Spilotro could probably pull whatever he wants, right? You got a name like that? Listen, that, that's one of my many problems. My name's Fred. It's like, hi, I'm Fred. Before him said, hey, I'm Claudio Spilotro. And yeah, maybe he get something, but... Uh, 63 met his partner on a dating app when she was just 18 years old. Uh, he kept trying to find an active woman, which I think we know what that means, after divorcing his wife of 18 years. Uh, he was bumped into her on some app called Seeking uh, to connect affluent single people. Yeah, so I'm not on that app either. That's probably it, right? It's just that he's rich. It's like, yep, Claudio Spilatro. So, yeah, I was going to spin that off, but it was, it was fun having Greg here because I, I really don't know when I'm his when I was his age what age group I was looking at, right? I think I was already married by then. So, um, okay, and then this is going to be our, our final story of the day. Um, we talked a lot about tipping and when it's appropriate to tip, right? Um, this story. And I want to save a longer discussion for this for another day with you guys, because I think they're getting to places now where I look and there's like a tip jar and I'm like, what? I think this is as far as it should have ever gone. A customer was at a self-checkout machine 
and, and uh, the machine requested a 20% tip. And then when she scanned her item, it was a 15, 18, or 20% tip. Now, I, I tip well, right? I, I always have. I mean, I usually start right at 25% and either up from there or no lower than 20. And I'll, I'll tip at a lot of places that, you know, like I, I still love that Mr. Pink rant where he's talking about why do you not tip somebody at McDonald's, but you're tipping, tipping this person. Well, I'm damn sure not tipping a self-checkout machine. Are we crazy with this stuff? It's gone too far. And I mean, who would even plug that in there? And I mean, it's a self-checkout. You're doing the work. You should be tipping yourself. They should give you 20% off. Anyway, that's, uh, that's our final thoughts for today. We'll be back on Thursday uh, with A.J. Hoffman this time. Uh, I want to thank each and every one of you uh, for, for tuning in today. Great group in the chat, as always. And uh, I want to thank Greg and, and Joe for joining us. And uh, uh, looking forward to getting back with AJ on Thursday, unless he has another disaster. Uh, I'm glad we got some of the issues worked out with Twitch. And now it's on YouTube and streams on Twitter and Facebook and all these places. And you know, I'm about to post it here in a few minutes. And it'll go on uh, Spotify, Apple, and a few other people. So, all right. Thanks a lot, guys, and until Thursday, stay sportsy, Gulf Coast badasses.